From the book of 1 Timothy comes the epistle reading for today. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil, and their experiences to the rich and through experience and their experiences and their eagerness. Oh boy. And their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, people of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who is his testimony before Pontius Pilate, made a good confession. I charge you. To keep this commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells unapproachable as, and dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see to him be honor and eternal dominion Amen as for those who in this, pres- in this present age are rich Command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good and to be rich in good works, generous and ready to serve. Thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may have hold of the life that really is life. In Luke 16, we pick up what is uh, a parable sometimes called the rich man and Lazarus. This is Lazarus, uh, a different Lazarus than the one that Jesus raises from the dead. In fact, this may not actually be a person at all, but rather a 
story that Jesus picks up from the Egyptians to tell, to make his point here today. And it goes like this. There was a rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. Well, the poor man died and was carried away by angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm that has been fixed. So that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so. And no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wednesday night I was at the YSS Good Samaritan dinner. Both YSS and the recipients of the Good Samaritan Award this year, the Women's Giving Circle, had asked that I give the invocation On that occasion, I've considered that an honor. Got to sit with my friend Gail Looney, which is always nice. Got to see my friend Jean Finstein and make fun of her publicly, which is also kind of nice. And I was sitting about five feet away from a beautiful quartet from the Wheeling Symphony. And so I talked to all those folks. Most of them have been in this space at one point or another to rehearse. And they're great, 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 great people. But one of the people there was Rachel Stegeman, who is the concertmaster of the Wheeling Symphony. She is a remarkable musician, um, spent some time early in her career in Los Angeles playing. She plays for the Pittsburgh Symphony. She plays for the Pittsburgh Opera. She is 
phenomenal. And the last big concert that the Wheeling Symphony has, she was one of the featured artists there. And when I went to meet her Wednesday night, she said, oh, hello, Reverend. Nice to see you again. And I went, oh, apparently I've met this woman before. I didn't realize that. I forgot. Or I wasn't paying attention. And then it dawned on me that the last time I met her was the, at the concert where she was featured. And she had this dress. This dress was amazing. Gail told me that she actually had, they actually had to have a group of people to put her in this dress because it was so remarkable. And it probably was like Dolce and Gabbana or, you know, Versace or so. I mean, it was a dress. I mean, literally, when she walked on stage in this thing, people went, (gasps) and it occurred to me at that moment. I didn't realize I had met her because I was paying attention to the dress. I didn't see her because I was distracted by shiny objects. You know, that's what's happening in this text. The rich man is distracted by shiny objects and he doesn't see the people around him. Lazarus didn't want to sit at his table and eat. Lazarus didn't even want him to give him scraps from the table. He just wanted the crumbs that fell on the floor. But the rich man never saw him. Now, it does beg the question, if he had seen him, would he have done anything? Would he have let him have the crumbs from the floor? Maybe not. But in this text, that's not even the possibility. He simply doesn't see him. When he looks up from Hades and sees Lazarus snuggled into Abraham's bosom. He still doesn't really see him. He sees somebody who could be a servant to him. Somebody he could use for his own purposes. Remember last week when we were talking about Augustine and what he says about people and things? God gave us people to love and things to use. The manifestation of original sin is in the penchant to confuse those two and love things and use people. Lazarus just saw someone he could use. He didn't even see a human being before him. Now, I will grant to you that some of us are not that observant. We're just not. I, I, when I was working in a group home, I had been, it was a Saturday, I'd been with a single kid all day long, and the father figure of the couple that I worked with walked in and went like this and looked at that kid. Looked him up and down, and he said, 
tuck your shirt in, zip your fly, and put your shoes on the, wrong, on the right feet. Like that. I'd been with the kid all day long, didn't notice. And you could argue that I didn't see him, but there are things sometimes we miss. But what I'm going to say to you today is there are some things that we can't afford to miss. There are people in our world that we can't afford to not see. Part of what's happening in our city, if you're paying attention, is that we have a whole population that we're trying to move to somewhere where we don't have to see them. Do you realize this? Our homeless population at one time was right near the I-70 bridge in a horrible, shabby hotel, which we've shuttered. We told them to move, and they moved to 16th Street. That'll be a good place for you. Go to 16th Street. Yeah, but then when we went to 16th Street, we could see them. And they're messy, and they're stinky, and they cause fights with one another, and they do stupid things. So then we said, no, go ahead and move to 24th Street. And the same thing happened again. They're stinky and messy, and difficult move to 42nd street we're going to run out of numbers pretty soon of places to put folks it's because we don't want to see them they make us uncomfortable I asked Crystal Bauer who some of you know who does what she calls street medicine, but I would say she also does street ministry. About who are the unseen in our midst here in Wheeling. And this is what she wrote to me. The ones who suffer the most are my folks with serious mental illness, schizophrenia, schizoaffective, and bipolar. These people that I fight, these are the people I fight so hard for. People who are so sick They don't know how sick they are. They frequently die outside, and they don't have a support system due to their symptoms. I have one in jail I can't get out. I can't get at to help. For trespassing to sleep in a garage, she knew she grew up in a house where she was neglected and physically and sexually abused. She also has a low IQ and is used by the homeless. Another older woman we are housing at a local hotel to the tune of $1,800 a month. Until last week, I have finally gotten someone to listen to me that she won't be housed until I can get her symptoms under control. I'm praying that we can get her into permanent housing soon. You notice that, right? She's helping a mentally ill, underhoused person and because she's doing that no one even sees her 
My others are those who are sick from disease. They fall victim in this new, younger demographic of homelessness. I have a 60-year-old I'm paying to stay at the McClure who is living on borrowed time. Released from the hospital, falls asleep inside Catholic Charities, and someone steals his backpack with all his cardiac life-sustaining medications in it. Every day he prays to die. His story is a heartbreaking set of horrible circumstances. I have men in their 70s. One does not have the capacity because of advanced dementia and a legal guardian, but the state allows him to stay on the street. We are getting him into housing this week, praying he can take care of himself. Also, there are kids aging out of the foster system at 18 and being lured into meth addiction. Kids who have years of trauma and pain and someone out on the street offers them drugs to numb it. I have always prayed that these vulnerable people have a place in heaven because of the pain that they have endured here on earth. And then she ends in the way she always does, which always amazes me. She says, I still believe God is good. All of those people she described are Lazarus. Living miserable lives here on earth. Who we pray will find a place in heaven. But whom we don't see. Because we don't want to. Because we're too busy to. Because we're not paying attention. The message of this text is see the people around you. If you look this way or that way in the seat beside you, you may see someone who has a different kind a story to tell. Someone whose kids are not in contact with them. Someone whose finances are falling apart. Someone whose business they're about to lose. Someone who is lonely. Look around, y'all. See the people in your space. That's the message of Lazarus and the rich man.